So y'all can sit here and ask me all the questions y'all want to. I'm here so I won't get fined. Hello? You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. That's the great thing about sports. You play to win. And I don't care if you don't have any wins. You go play to win. The second half, we sucked. We couldn't stop the run. Every time they got the ball, they went down and got points. We got our ass totally kicked in the second half. That's what it boiled down to. It was a horse performance in the second half. Cannot play with them. Cannot win with them. Cannot coach with them. Can't do it. Been erroneous reports. People questioning my loyalty to him. That is absurd. Next question. Next question. Next question. Next question. Next question. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. You were two and seven, you'd be in a bad mood too. What's happening, guys? Happy Tuesday. Yeah, that's right. Bonus show on a Tuesday. It is your boy. It is Memphis. And it is the Dynasty War Zone. The People's Dynasty Podcast. On today's show, we're going to start talking about the rookie wide receiver class of 2023. Uh, as you know, on these bonus shows, there has not been any man of the hour or man with the power, Jerry Sinclair. But I do have and another amazing guest for you. So tonight's guest is the, I guess, the founder, creator, and all things at Rookie Big Board. If you search at Rookie Big Board everywhere, you'll find tonight's guest. He also does work over at the DLF, and he has a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Rookie Big Board. You know him. You love him. He's back after a one-year hiatus. It is Mr. Matt Hicks. Matt, man, what's going on? It's good, man. This is this is the best time of the year. We're in draft season. You know, we are we are pumping out content right now, and I'm happy to be back on chopping it up with you. We were just saying it, it feels like it's been too long here, so I'm excited for it. Yeah, so as you guys know, during guest season, I've been doing what I call before I hit the record button because it feels like about three or four times this show, I'll say, well, we were talking about blank before I hit the record button. So I just turned it into a concept. What I what we did, we chopped it up for about 25, 30 minutes before we came on. And that's going to be a patron-exclusive podcast over at our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Dynasty Warzone. Um, please check us out everywhere and leave a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Now, Matt, what's going on with you? What's going on with the Rookie Big Board as we enter in this uh, free agent slash rookie season? So much good stuff going on. But what's going on with you? Just dropped the rookie guide, the pre-draft version of it. So I am excited to get that bad boy out. 96 pages, 67 full rookie profiles. So as we talk through, you know, plenty of rookies here today. If you want the in-depth look at them and my rankings, you know, uh, everything's over at patreon.com slash rookie big board. Um, and we're doing as well right now on YouTube, the rookie profile series, which is an annual thing for the rookie big board. So quick 10 minute you know, videos that kind of summarize all the top prospects. So I think those are the, the two best spots to go ahead and try to get in on some of the rookie big board action right now. Yeah, and it's always been good stuff. Uh, that That's how I met you. And then we wound up in a league together with the guys yeah. over at the at the GOAT district. But man, make sure you guys are checking out rookie big board everywhere. Um, a lot of production value. You know, I, I would love for you to subscribe to my YouTube channel, the Dynasty Warzone, our YouTube channel, Jerry and I, but um, we primarily, like when you find us, if you're listening to this on a podcast, 
you're primarily going to find us under live videos where Matt and I, last week it was Cody Carpentier. Um, sometimes it's me and Jerry when we, when we get together and, and do this thing, you'll find that, but like the, the, the production value and the quality, and, and that's the kind of stuff that I really watch on YouTube personally. Um, uh, you know, everybody knows I'm a shameless baseball dad, like the baseball bat bros. They've got about a quarter million, uh, subscribers and they review baseball bats and do fun stuff as it relates to baseball. But I don't think I could watch it for more than like 10 or 15 minutes at a time. And when you say you have 10 minute videos, that feels like the perfect amount to, and when you pair it with good production value, I think that's the real find for the people over at YouTube. Yeah, man, I'm all about as much content in as little time as possible. We all got lives, man. We, we all, you know, only want to, you know, be listening so much. So I try to do everything 10, 12 minutes. I'll talk really fast when I'm doing my podcast. I'm more talking like this usually because I'm just, I'm firing out information. So I like it. I don't like watching videos for more than 15 minutes personally. I'm telling you, I found that's the sweet spot. The best channels, the videos are, are, are 15 minutes and you, you do a really good job with that over at the rookie big board. So um, let's just jump into some questions, man. These bonus shows have been a ton of fun and, I've been asking, you know, a lot of the same questions just about different positional groups because I think you were just talking about, you know, how short, you know, tension spans are and the amount of content out there right now. So we'll chop it up. You know, we'll talk 30-ish minutes about these rookie wide receivers. But a question that I've been asking everybody is, do you think Dynasty GMs get themselves in trouble with over overly relying on comps? Like, I believe like a, a, a good generality as it relates to a comp is fine, but I think some people get so dug in and then that's all you can see of a player. What are your thoughts on dynasty comps? Yeah, I am not a fan of comps. Uh, I'm somebody uh, who oftentimes finds myself complaining about a comp. If I do um, comp a player, I'm usually comping like a specific trait, right? Like, for instance, sometimes I talk about the way a player runs a slant for a wide receiver, for instance, and I'll reference A.J. Brown, right? Because A.J. Brown can run a really nice slant, but you don't have to be A.J. Brown's size to be able to run a great slant, right? So I'll, sometimes I'll, I'll focus in on, on a part and say that. The other thing I, I did this year, which I think was a more helpful thing to do is, you know, I was just talking about the rookie guide. In the rookie guide, I put a fantasy football value comp which for me was being able to say, okay, you have this rookie wide receiver, right? Like JSN. And I, I think I had T Higgins for him. I'm saying, you know, whenever you would draft T Higgins in your startup draft, that's when you should draft JSN. So I've been trying to do comps more in that range to help folks understand the value of the player instead of trying to tell them, you know, all right, I know you've seen this person on Sundays. Here's what this next wide receiver is going to be because they're different players. I I think that is is a very that's one of the best things I've heard on this show in a long time. I'll I'll be real honest with you, because I always say this: I don't fall emotionally in love with players. That's why I tend to get into discussions, we'll call them, on on Twitter with people you know who who love. I, I just don't fall in love with players anymore. My my heart's been broken because I love these guys, and I know the failure rate and the success rate is is high on both sides. So. Um, I, I don't do that, but just think about, you're just looking at this guy in terms of how many points I think he's going to score. Who's a guy that scores an equal amount of points. Do you, do you factor in where you think they'll go in the NFL draft? Like JSN's probably going to be pick, pick 15, give or take five, probably no, no earlier than 10, no later than 20. 
and these are the guys that are drafted in that range. Does that factor in there as well? Yeah, I'm going to try to give a, a brief synopsis of my draft capital because I, I think draft capital is so, so important. And it's something that I, I, I'm like, uh, I don't want to say I'm confident. That sounds, I like the way that I do it. Okay. So uh, I basically break it down into different buckets and I look at it from the lens of how I think an NFL team looks at it because that's evaluation, right? So my buckets are one through 10, uh, 10 through 20. And then 21 through 50. So I don't do first round pick, number one overall pick, um, because most NFL teams look at, you know, there's in an average year between 18 and 20 players that an NFL team will have a first round value on. After that, you know, a team could draft the same player that they have, you know, 40 on their big board. That next team could have them 22 on their big board. There's a wide variance, and it usually has to do with draft preference and scout tendencies. Um, and then I have 51 to 102, which is the rest of day two. And then, you know, there's that big cutoff going into day three. And I break day three up into two buckets, rounds four and five, and then round six and seven. Um, and then pre-draft, I use historical production numbers sorted out by different positions. And I'll tie in, you know, this player um, based on what the skill set I see and the projection, the NFL draft capital projection I have for him, here's where, without knowing the exact, here's the general area that I'll project out their rookie season, which is, you know, my short-term production. And then I actually do like a three-year production, you know, going out a little bit further as well. Um, so those that's what I factor out in terms of projection. And it's a very long way of answering your question, which is, Yes, it is related to draft capital. No, man. Um, I, I, like I said, I think it's great. Um, part of playing fantasy football is being able to root for the guys that are on your team. But at the same time, you're trying to win. And if player X is going to give you so many points and this guy can give me a similar amount of points, and that's why you're putting him in your rankings the way that you are, I think that's brilliant. I think that's that's actually really well said. So um, we're talking wide receivers, and, and I want to know, who is your favorite wide receiver? Now, I didn't say best. I didn't say who's the best wide receiver. Who is your favorite? A guy you root for? You're a you're a tape guy. You're a you're a film grinder. Uh, and and does that change for actual football? Like you know, you you love a guy for fantasy, or you just love a guy. And then is there a guy that you actually you would change your mind if we're talking about on the field? Yeah, you know, when you say who do you love, right? The what I hear is value. Who's my value? Because in rookie drafts, that's who I love. Um, and that's what I'm always looking for. And I feel I'm glad you brought me on for the wide receiver episode because I, you know, I, I think that's my best position in terms of where I've been able to extract value really consistently the last couple of years. Uh, you know, having been in on Alave last year, uh, Jefferson his year, Waddle the year before, and he's not popular right now but I'm in on the value of Jalen Hyatt. I really like him as a prospect. You know, I, I think people are so, um, I guess no pun intended, they feel burned with the speed wide receivers, you know, but I, I'm trying to emphasize to folks that when I watch Jalen Hyatt, I see more than just speed. I see a player that releases really well with a first step. I see somebody who's able to separate downfield with more than just speed. He's a mismatch nightmare. I like his lateral quickness, lateral agility. Um, and I and I, the other thing that I, I want to point out to folks is with Jalen Hyatt, 
he really hasn't had as much time to develop as folks may think. You know, I know he had three years in college, but he had two years under a very uh, underwhelming coaching staff that got fired because they couldn't develop up their high recruits, right, in that Jeremy Pruitt system. So he really had about a year and a half, two years in Tennessee. And if you look at uh, 2021 to 2022, you see massive improvement. And that's one thing I think I have the benefit of and the fact that I'm watching tape on these guys, you know, or at least watching them live from their rookie season. And I always want to see, I give bonus points to players who are improving over time because that shows coachability. And that shows that they're going to, they have a better chance, I should say, of continuing to improve in the NFL itself. So it'll come down to volume, of course, as always. But Jalen Hyatt, for me, is my wide receiver three, where I think most folks probably have him closer to five, six, seven right now. Yeah, um, my favorite guy in this class, and I'll get your thoughts on him. I don't know if we'll make it to him or not, but uh, is, is Kayshawn Butte. Um, okay. I don't, I don't know if I just like the name. I don't know if that because I'm wearing an LSU hat. I don't know, but he, he is someone that I think I'm going to wind up with a disproportionate amount of. Um, I think he's going to be a value. I think uh, he's got some knuckleheadedness to him, but I think draft capital will determine a lot as to what his dynasty draft capital and where he goes. If he goes mm-hmm. to a good spot with a good QB in like day two. I think he's going to wind up being the the value of this class, but I want to know your value. Who is going to be the value wide receiver of this class? Who's going to fall? Who's going to wind up in in our dynasty rosters? We're going to be getting them maybe in a one QB, the back end of the first, top of the second, or in like a super flex in that mid-second round. Who's, Who's going to be the steal there? Okay. I was thinking I was thinking you were going to ask me a little bit deeper, so I queued up a different answer. But in your range, I'm going to go Marvin Mims. Um, I know Marvin Mims is hot off running the 4-3, what was it, 4-3-8 uh, at the 40. Uh, but I've loved Mims's tape all the way going back to last year. I thought he was going to test poorly. So I had him as this day three projection um, because I thought he wasn't going to show up to the combine well, but he shows up. He was in the 80-something percentile for his jumps. You know, he runs the 4-3-40 time. Marvin Mims out of Oklahoma, 5'11", 183, super productive, has led that Oklahoma offense the last couple of years. And I love with a wide receiver when they're able to uh, perform and lead their team with multiple quarterbacks. You think back, Marvin Mims played with Dylan Gabriel. He played with Caleb Williams and he played with Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma. So he had to, those are very three very different quarterbacks, right? And through all of them, sticky hands, excellent ball tracking, one of the best players in this class in, in reacting to underthrown and off-target passes, which is something I love. He works through traffic really well. He's got great mental concentration. Uh, and he accelerates really well into the deep third of the field. I believe his career average was 19.2 yards per reception for the Sooners, which is just fantastic. So uh, Mims now, it looks like he could be a, as high as a top 50 selection. Uh, so he certainly could have the draft capital to back that. But I don't think you know, he's going to go as high as JSN, Addison, Hyatt, Flowers, Quinton Johnston, right? So I think he's going to get pushed down the board pretty nicely. Yeah, but I, I like Marvin Mims, and Marvin Mims is fine. You're right. It was a 4-3-8-40. Um, okay, he had a really good burst score per player profiler. Um, 
decent speed score, kind of just sub below the, the midline. Nothing on agility or his catch, catch radius. He's a smaller guy, five foot nine. But who was the other guy? You said you had another guy. Don't hold back. Give us both guys. Give us all the guys. All right. The other guy who I love, uh, you know, I think right now he's pulling more third, probably maybe even fourth round uh, ADP is Puka Nakua out of BYU. I'm a big fan of Puka. 6-2-201. Like I said, coming out of BYU, four-star recruit. He was recruited to Washington and just wasted under uh oh my gosh, I, I already threw his his name out of my head. The 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 coaching staff there, Lake uh for Washington, just wasted all of their recruits. So he transfers to BYU and he pops off relative to to when he was on the field. So Nakua wins off the line of scrimmage with really nice speed. He plays really well along the boundary. He's got good speed along the boundary, great contested catchability, always puts his body in a position to win. You know, body positioning for me is a really underrated trait when looking at contested catchability. Uh, long frame, great ball tracking. But here's the kicker. Uh, Puka Nakua was deployed as a rusher consistently for BYU this past year. He scored five touchdowns through the air. He scored five touchdowns on the ground for the Cougars. Great power runner. He's excellent in the red zone running the ball. He's physical. Uh, so he has that versatility that, you know, if you get him in the third or fourth round of your of your super flex leagues, I, I the 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 upside is just incredible there. All right. Well, this is where I'm going to mix like promotion and um, so, some uh, some common thread here. So I've obviously been doing the the pre podcast for the patrons before we go live on YouTube and you know streaming services. But uh, Cody had some 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 comments last week for our patrons on Puka Nakua. So um, good stuff there, sir. Good stuff there. Is it good? Were they good comments? Can you tell I, me? You know, I'll, I'll hit you up off the air. Yeah, they, they, they were good. They were good. Okay. I'll, a spoiler alert for you non-patrons. Uh, Puka Nakua came up as well. I'll leave it at that. Um, right, make me feel better. Who, who's going to be overdrafted based on either their college resume, their name? Uh, maybe it was an impressive combine. Who is a guy that you think you're going to look back after the NFL draft and go, oh, my God, he got way overdrafted, and therefore, subsequently, he's going to be way overdrafted in rookie drafts? I am just not a fan of Quentin Johnston. I, I don't I don't see what everybody else sees. Um, you know, I, I think we have this presence. Um, I don't know if presence is the right word. We have this mentality. Um, that we look for these highlight real contested catch guys in the NFL. And contested catchability, folks, is not one of the things that translates, you know, super well to the NFL when you're looking at tape and looking at the wide receiver position. Uh, fading these uh, purely contested catch guys has been one of the reasons I think I've been able to, um, you know, bob and weave through some of the grenades at the wide receiver position the last couple of years. So when I look at Johnston, I worry about his hands. That's another thing. It sounds so simple, but we look past a player's ability to catch the ball and forgive that so often. Johnston has a ton of drops. They're mental drops. They're just bad hands. You know, everybody blames it on Max Duggan. Well, folks, we've been down this road before. You know who else we blamed for uh, Max Duggan? Those were Jalen Rager's drops, if you remember that. Um, you know, that was about four years ago. Same guy throwing him the ball. So uh, uh, there's a lot to fade about Quentin Johnston. Also, you know, one of my big things is that if you have a profile, you have to have the traits that fit that profile. Quentin Johnston allows defensive backs to jump his routes all the time. 
if you are a big man playing in the Big 12, which is you know generally against weaker, smaller defensive backs, you cannot let them jump your routes. That's either technique or effort or both. And then, you know, kind of just the cherry on top with Quentin Johnston is, you know, he was listed at 6'4", 215. He comes into the combine, he's 6'2", 208. So he doesn't even have that big man size, really. I mean, 6'2", 208 is not huge. And if you're relying on a contested catch guy at that size, it's not going to work out for you. Um, and then he didn't run the 40. So he's supposed to be this fast big man, and he didn't run the 40. So we don't know that he's big or that he's fast. You know, again, I, I like reminding and weaving that commonality between guests for our patrons because we've heard this, right? We, we, we've heard this with Kendra Miller, Bruce Matson like Kendra Miller, Garrett Price like Kendra Miller. So it's like, wait a second, that's a little, that's a little note we're going to take there. We're going to take a note that we like Kendra Miller. This, you are the second person, and I agree, by the way, we had John Sheps and Nino Brown from the Toilets to Titles. Uh, YouTube channel. They came on and, and and talked, and we all agreed as like we don't like a big guy who plays small. H how are you going to be in the Big Twelve and only have six of Max Duggan's thirty-two touchdowns? That's like about a nineteen percent touchdown share. And then yep. targets, he attempted four hundred nineteen passes. You know, you only had sixty receptions, so you you didn't even have like that 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 huge target share. That that you would think that a guy that you know is big and fast and you know, you said it, not me. The Big Twelve is not necessarily known for its defense, if you know what I'm saying. So mm -hmm. I'm with you. Uh, th th I, I hate it when you always agree with the not always. It's, it's it's bad manners to disagree with people for the sake of disagreeing. But I agree with you. I I am out on Quentin Johnston. Um, man, I, I think that's great. But um, if so, if someone's going to be over drafted and someone's going to be a value that usually means someone is going to be a bust and we don't want to wish evil on somebody we're saying most likely we're saying that their their skills are not going to translate to the nfl now they could be saved by a good head coach or oc or quarterback that can maybe work around some of their deficiencies but who do you think the guy's that's going to get drafted highly and then it's not going to pan out well for him the nfl team that drafts him and us I'm going to I'm going to do a little bit of a cop out here. I think the guy, I think he could have a good NFL career, right? That's my cop out. But I I am pivoting off of Josh Downs and I know I hate it. I hate it uh cuz I love his tape. He's a super impressive player, but he came in at 5'9, 171. We already knew he was going to live in the slot. So I just don't know that we're going to be able to project uh you know more than 80 targets for Josh Downs over his first couple of years and realistically more than four or five touchdowns a season. Uh, and I do still think Josh Downs could get drafted in the top 50, top 60 NFL draft picks. So the, the, this is a great example of a comp, right? So the, the comparison that I've been giving for Josh Downs of how I'm worried about him is KJ Hamler. I loved KJ Hamler coming out. And of course, injuries have factored in with KJ Hamler, but even just the role that he's played in Denver, there's never really been that much upside. So I just think he's going to be overdrafted. And I think he's going to bust against expectations because the Devi community has loved Josh Downs for three, four years now. And we've heard this name. We've heard this name. Even if you're not following college football every week, right? You know Josh Downs. So 
It could be a situation where some folks get caught at the top of the second. I don't know who to draft. Well, I've been hearing about Josh Down for years. Let me just go ahead and, you know, click on him. You know, I, I'm not going to call him a bust because I don't know enough about him, but but I, I'm starting to get bad vibes about Zay Flowers. And mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of people love him. I just think there's going to be this level of expectation that's going to be hard for him to hit. I love the fact that everybody under the sun has a wide receiver going to the New York Giants. And I know we're looking for someone to be the Stephon Diggs to Daniel Jones's Josh Allen. I don't know that that's the case. I, I'm not ready to say that yet personally, but what are your thoughts on Zay Flowers? You know, it's Zay is frustrating for me. And I say he's frustrating because, you know, this is the downside of playing Devi. Um, I love Zay Flowers. Uh, you know, I've had him on some Devi squads for a while. Actually, that's the upside. I have him stashed on some Devi squads. But I always liked him in the context of a guy who was probably going to go late second round, early third round of rookie drafts, right? But now he's kind of caught so much fire and so much momentum that now he's pulling first-round ADP, and he's consistently going in the first round of rookie drafts. We've taken all the value, folks. You know, I think we need to understand. He's 5'9", 182. He's not going to be a 100, 125-target guy. So you're going to draft him in a similar range where you're drafting Jordan Addison, maybe a couple picks later, right? And Addison, I feel like, you know, just in terms of his play style, he, he brings a lot more to the table, where Zay Flowers, I think, can serve a really explosive field-stretching role, but he doesn't have that technical refinement of a guy like Addison that you're probably only going to take two picks higher. So I, I'm, I'm frustrated in the sense of I wish we had just let him be a late second-round pick, a nice value. You plug him in as your wide receiver three in your flex spot, and you're perfectly happy with him. But now we're going to expect him to be a wide receiver one, and that's just not in the cards for him, in you know, my the- opinion. Well, and I think this is where the, the national media grabs a hold of a guy, Lance Zerline, Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay. And, and, and in fairness, especially to, I know, Zerline and, and McShay, a lot of these guys are patched into NFL front offices. And this they're, they're building these mocks around A, need, and B, what they're being told. But I'm, I'm cautiously, optimistically not optimistic about Zay Flowers. So a couple more questions. We'll get you out of here. Um what do you think the best landing spot is for a rookie wide receiver? Now, before we hit the record button, you and I tried to send just about every free agent and rookie under the sun to the, the Carolina Panthers. But, you know, what about New England, KC, the Vikings, the Rams? What are some of the landing, the Giants? What are some of the landing spots that you think would be really good for some of these rookies? Yeah, the Giants were the first ones that I was going to go to. I mean, there's just so much volume, right? And I will, you know, I don't love Daniel Jones. I'm a Giants fan. I, you know, I split double duty between the Giants and the Ravens. I have never liked Daniel Jones on the Giants, but it doesn't matter. If you give me a spot where I can plug in 125 targets to a rookie, I'm in. You know, I am in. It was one of the reasons that I was, you know, calling out Justin Jefferson. Remember, we didn't like Justin Jefferson to the Vikings for the longest time. But if you just looked at the numbers and plugged them into the spreadsheet, you saw those targets were going to be there. You know, even if he didn't come through with the talent level that he did, um, you know, certainly that helped as well. I think a sneaky spot is New Orleans, you know, opposite of Chris Olave. There's still plenty of leftover targets. I'm not expecting Michael Thomas to roll back out on the field this year. Um, Derek Carr can distribute the ball. We've seen that. So I, I think there's a sneaky ability here for New Orleans to take a, a wide receiver there in the 
probably not late first. I think they have other needs, but you know, into the second and third rounds, I think they do add a guy. And I think there's some pretty good volume to go around there. Um, and then you mentioned it, you know, Carolina, certainly plenty of volume. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they prioritize. They got to get somebody in there for that rookie quarterback. And I know everybody hates him, but we hate him as a general manager. If you look at his at his track record as a head coach and an offensive coordinator, Bill O'Brien. You know, mm-hmm. Bill O'Brien yeah. was the guy who schemed up, you know, Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins did real well in his time with Bob, Bill O'Brien. And if the right rookie combination, or maybe even a veteran, but I'm hoping for a rookie, if they wind up in New England, I'm telling you, and then Jacoby Myers leaves, you're looking at volume, you're looking at a creative slash smart offensive play caller. Don't forget, now he also blew this lead, but this is a guy who had a 21-point lead on Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes in Arrowhead in the AFC Championship game. You know, not the best with players, like with his GM responsibilities and how he built that team, but X's and O's. Bill O'Brien is pretty sharp, and that's one of those buy-on offenses I've been on all year long. So final question, sir. We appreciate your time here, but uh, who is this class? Is Stephon Diggs, Cooper Cup, or Terry McLaren? And I ask that because, you know, Diggs was drafted in the fifth. Both Cup and McLaren were drafted in the third of the actual NFL draft. Who's a guy that's going to go in, you know, mid to late day two, those Friday night picks, and a guy from those mid rounds that we're going to look back in a year or two and be like, that's a fantasy success story. I really like Parker Washington out of Penn State. I think he's kind of just being forgotten about generally in this class. He's 5'10, 204. He's kind of, he kind of played in like a big slot role. I think he can play on the outside, but he's played in a big slot uh, for Penn State, and we've seen how well that big slot role can translate. Um, I think he has great contested catchability. I think he has twitchy athleticism, and he's he's got a solid frame. Like he's kind of a rocked up two hundred four. You know, we're not talking about like uh, you know Jonathan Taylor rocked up, but he carries it well. Sharp footwork it allows him to get through his routes. He was able to break Big Ten defenders really consistently. Um, and he had a great catch radius for somebody who was 5'10". You know, might look like somebody who was more 6'2". And then he did really well after the catch as well. Good field vision, good uh, contested catch, or not contested catch, sorry, uh, good contact balance uh, and body control working around the field. So I think he's kind of getting lost in the sauce a little bit, but I think he's got the size. And I think an NFL team could really value him. You know, like you were saying, picks, you know, 75 to 10 what is it 103 there there's a lot of kind of uh, uh you know pretty solid spots you know everybody wants to mock uh, a slot receiver to the chargers with that first round pick but you know if they wait till 86 and take parker washington i mean there's that you know that's the type of situation he could fall into all right well i'm gonna ask a question from the patron i'm excuse me from the youtube chat not the patron chat that's going crazy with all the free agency moves as you and i record but the but but the youtube chat from mike kenny he was like who are some rookies coming out that like a new oc like bill o'brien his question is who did bill o'brien work with at bama that maybe new england could target in some later rounds um this is because this is kind of the weird year where, where we don't have a devonta smith or a jerry mm-hmm. judy or those guys. And maybe it's another OC from another college. Like we kind of caught you off guard. 
Um, but I want to add one thing while, while you're thinking about that question, because that's a, it's a great question. I want to hear your answer, very good question. but, but, but I want to give you a minute. And, and one thing I want to add, and I'm not yet to proclaim my mid round, like, um, one of the very first hits and one of the best hits I've ever had doing this podcast was Cooper cup. I also hit on, you know, Terry McLaren and, you know, all these guys, Bucky Brooks calls these guys technicians. I've heard some guys call them a mechanic. When you go to the rookie big board, and believe me, you're going to go to the rookie big board and you're going to look at rookie big board, you know, patreon.com forward slash rookie big board. You're going to be able to look at guys that, you know, maybe, maybe Matt uses a different word, technician, route runner, whatever. But those guys tend to translate well to the NFL. And the better the quarterback, the better they translate to fantasy. Matt, you can touch on that in just a second as we wrap up. But did you find an OC wide receiver that we could maybe uh, look at like a Hail Mary? Yeah, so I don't have a wide receiver. I was not able to pair one up. But I am. I do have an answer for you. It's going to dip into running backs, though. Uh Todd Munkin in Baltimore with Kenny McIntosh. I like Kenny McIntosh a lot. He tested poorly, which means I don't think Baltimore is going to have to use a premium pick on him. So I think they could get him in rounds four or five. Um, he has pass catching ability and he has a really good ability to run in between the tackles. And so I think Munkin's going to see him, get him cheap and absolutely rotate him there with J.K. Dobbins to an infuriating point. And if J.K. Dobbins misses time, then McIntosh could step in and, and be a 200-touch guy. Well, I want to give Mike a shout-out. That is an incredible question. It was a good question. It, was, it really was. It, it really, really was. This is two times tonight. You know, we had your we had your, uh, your, your rookie comp by doing them by points in your roster every week. It was a very good call. And, dude, Mike uh, slam dunk. Now, Mike, sorry we couldn't get you a wide receiver OC, but we'll take – a bonus running back and OC combo. That's Todd Monken and Kenny McIntosh, both coming to the NFL by way of the Georgia Bulldogs. Well, listen, Matt, that's a bonus show. It's a little something on Tuesday. Dallas, our normal rookie content creator, was a little tied up. He'll be back next week. I just wanted to make sure we continued to uh, service the listeners because on Wednesday, Jerry and I will be talking about you know a little bit of rookies, a little bit of combine, a little bit of free agent, a little bit of all of that. But uh, just wanted to make sure we kept the uh, the, uh, the the rookie content flowing, man. Um, what do you want us to know about you, the rookie big board, and the DLF? Yeah, man. Um, I'm on uh, Twitter at the FF underscore educator. Again, you know, rookie big board. If you want to get in on the rookie action, if you're listening to this kind of show and, and really interested in it. I'd urge you head on over to patreon.com slash rookie big board. My thing is you can get in for $3 a month. I try to make it as accessible as possible. We have the discord, which is probably worth it alone, but everything I'm reading off of all of these notes as we're going through the show, they're available to, to all patrons on the rookie big board. I have, um, I think it's 80, uh, 80 tape reviews done on guys. So I'm pretty sure nobody's going deeper there right now in rookie season. I love it. And the thing is, we do this all year round. We have Devi rankings, Dynasty rankings, um, and they compare directly to um, NFL rankings. So, uh, you know, we're doing it year round. I love this stuff. We're chatting it up. We're chopping up, guys, you know, this time of year, helping with drafts. But also in July, we're talking we're talking next year's prospects because we just love it so much. So um, that, that's where I would direct folks. If this is your kind of show, it's a good spot for you. 
Awesome, man. But also part of this is this is like the dynasty. So now I, I know who Matt likes. So in this one league we're in together, I can leverage this information against him. It's not that I don't love Matt. And it's not that I'm not grateful to have him as a guest on my podcast, but I'm still trying to win fantasy championships as well, just like you, Matt. And now you'll know to keep Will Levis and Kayshawn Butte away from me. That's how it works. I got a lot of picks in that league, so I, it's a rebuild orphan team. So I am looking forward to that rookie draft. I, I, I won't say which fellow DLF or owned that team before you, but they did not do you a great service, sir. But you did us a great service. I appreciate you coming on the Dynasty Warzone. Please check him out on Twitter at the FF underscore educator. And please check out the rookie big board everywhere. And when you're checking out YouTube, make sure you subscribe. Let's uh, let's build up that content for Matt. Matt, man, thanks for coming on. Thank you. And on behalf of Matt, I am Memphis. And remember, here at the Dynasty War Zone, we're just trying to make the world a better place for fantasy football. I'll be back with Jerry tomorrow for, a, uh, I guess, a, the regular show. This was the bonus show? Hell, I don't know. Enjoy the content, guys. Have a great week. Hey, fellow Warzone listeners. My name is Zach Camps. Uh, if I'm not golfing or slinging my hands a monster, I'm usually thinking about Dynasty Fantasy Football. A couple months back, I joined the Patreon just to take my Dynasty passion to the next level. And I'll tell you what, well, let's just say there's writer downers for days in the Patreon. As a member, you get access to the bonus pod where the guys take the filter off and talk about a wide variety of topics that maybe they won't cover on the normal show. You also get access to Memphis and Jerry for one-on-one advice, personal dynasty dilemmas. They'll tackle them for you, help you out with it. You just don't get that anywhere else. But I'd say my favorite part about the Depth of Patreon is the uh, the group chat. Tell you what, these guys are some excellent minds, tons of fun. The fire in there is amazing. Great platform to post trade questions, debate rookie values, share insight, interact with some cool people from across the globe. You know, Shout out to those guys in Australia. They're blowing my phone up all the time. You know, the best part is there's no Twitter trolls or Facebook trolls arguing about stuff they don't know anything about. So uh, if you want to enjoy your dynasty experience even more, win those championships, pause the podcast right now, sign up, and you can thank me later in the group chat. When we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. a game yesterday and if we win one today that's two in a row we win one tomorrow that's called a winning streak